Welcome to the Middle-Aged Man podcast. I'm Mark Ford. Um, the only men's podcast that tries hard to act its age, openly used just for men, doesn't have a back catalogue of Haynes's manuals, and yet we still want to be the best that we can. Now, today's question for you to meditate on is, if Skittles are marketed with the phrase, taste the rainbow, who was the person that ate the rainbow? Now, today's guest is an unusual collection of things, and his intro actually might sound a bit like the beginning of a joke at Butlins, but it definitely isn't. What do you get if you get a driving instructor, a kickboxing expert, and a vicar with tattoos? Well, gentlemen, you get the Reverend Rich Wooten. Hello, Rich. How are you? Hi. Pleased to meet you. I'm pleased to meet you. My friend, thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Now, before we came on air, one of the questions that I asked, I've got some questions that I'm going to sort of ask as a, as a spine and um, they're quite personal questions, but they're, they're good to know so that, you know, people can relate to the individual. But there was a topic that you wanted to talk about. Um, and obviously this is the Middle Aged Men podcast. So um, quickly give us an outline of, of, of what you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, one of the, obviously I'm a, I'm a, a fully qualified vicar now. Um um, but one of the things that as, as I, I found throughout my my life is that men uh, currently in the 21st century don't know their their place in society, and um, and perhaps don't and perhaps society doesn't even know what, what it wants of men. I think from a place in society and what was required of them, um, and I think we we as men now struggle with that really. Okay, so. Um... Where do you see what? Where do you see initially where we were, and where we are right now? What, what what's the difference between say you know ten fifteen years ago, to where we are right now? Yeah, so so t- 10, 15 years ago, um, you know, even further back than that, our, our, our fathers' generations knew their place. They they um, they were perhaps more secure in their um, in their place in society. Um, you know, I, I remember my dad being, you know, a, a kind of an alpha male fig, figure in my life, um, you know, often down the pub, um, bit beer drinking, uh, hardworking, um, you know, alpha male type things. And I think today we, we don't want that alpha male in, in society anymore. In fact, um, you know, we, we hear the, t- the, 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 the phrase of toxic max, max, um, masculinity. Um, and things like that don't don't necessarily help us to understand um, what's required of us, what where we want to be. Um, do, you, do you think that's? think Do you think that's a misunderstood phrase? Toxic masculinity. I think I don't know if it does. What, I think it's a phrase what is, that's, what is, that's what often is thrown at men. Yeah, what is yeah I think it's often a, a, a phrase that's thrown at men, particularly if they start taking charge or doing something um, that that doesn't doesn't sit well with others. Um, and you know, so I, if if you if you sort of start, you know, if there's a group situation and then and you start taking a, a, an alpha male um, dominant role, 
um, then often you know the words toxic mas- masculinity can be um, can be banded around a bit really. Mm. And I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's helpful at all because I mean, what is you know the what is what is actual actual masculinity? It's um, to the point where I would say that I could probably challenge this now. I think is that what is femininity? Because, well, yeah. uh, because yeah. I, I think that it's changed, and the whole point of this podcast is because things have changed so fast, um, and people are, in some cases, absolutely right to be pushing the dials, to be pushing the barriers, absolutely right. But I think that it's also a, a case of, you know, we're not learning from, there's no period of learning from um, anybody's mistakes or, or where they are at this, at this present point. It's a case of, no, we want more, we want more, we want more. And I think masculinity is is a word, and yeah, that phrase toxic masculinity, you know, um, is misunderstood. I think, and, and and it almost encompasses too many things mm, for it to absolutely. be to be a phrase of use. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you look at if you look at um, my own life, if you if you um, take a, a small snapshot without knowing everything about me. Um, you could quite easily look at me and say, well, okay, there's a guy there that's covered in tattoos. Uh, he's, a, he's a black belt in kickboxing. Um, he's X or Y or whatever, without actually knowing that, you know, the majority of my week is spent as a vicar um, doing quite sensitive things. So so the two things don't necessarily line up together. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm breaking some stereotypes, I think, with, with that, really. I think it's. I think it's also interesting is that it, there's there there are a lot of phrases that are that are banded around that seem to be misunderstood um, and you know uh, toxic masculinity narcissism is another one um, you know everybody you know a lot of blokes are, re- are accused of being narcissists um, where in fact you know there was a phrase if you think about it, ten years ago uh, fifteen years ago there was the phrase fake it till you make it well mm. nobody was calling them narcissists then. Um, but then all of a sudden you know, they're now narcissists because you know they, 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 they tell they tell lies just to make themselves look better. Um, one of the things that I, I, I would assume that you know obviously you're breaking stereotypes. One of the things that's probably kept you in good stead um, through all these changes is your faith. Mm. So talk talk to me about how you you know how you how your faith came to be and how it's sort of like it's it's you know, at this point in your life that it's actually sort of like, it's kept you going, it's kept you motivating, it's kept you moving. Yeah, forward. absolutely. I mean, I, I came to faith as an adult. So it, you know, became a, a conscious decision to, 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 to turn to faith. Um, and I, and I, as I said, when we were off air, I use the word faith rather than religion. Um, because I think actually religion has some, some negative connotations to it. Well, actually you can have a faith without religion. Um, so I, I came to faith as a, as an adult, um, in fact, I was, um, I sort of, I tried to find, I was always trying to find answers in, in the world, if you like, even as a, you know, 20, 30 year old man, looking at various things and um, looked at a lot of the kind of the self-help gurus out there uh, and followed them for, you know, on, on various social medias and books and things like that. Um, and I, I just found them wanting a bit. Um Ended up uh, going into a church, met the vicar there, had a good long chat with him, um, and still didn't necessarily believe, if you like. But I thought there's enough about this that I can I can I can go along to. Uh, so I periodically went to church, 
Um, I was with a with a uh, in another relationship at the time. That relationship um, fell apart. Um, found myself uh, in Wales, and my now wife um, was a regular churchgoer. So just came, went along really, um, and then grew in faith um, in that way. So actually, I sort of belonged to the church before I believed in the teachings of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the big moment of me uh, really exploring my faith and coming to faith in a much deeper way was uh, when my, my wife and I um, very sadly lost a lost a child um, in Sorry. in utero. So she was twenty eight weeks um, old in in uh, so, and was stillborn, and um, it then got to a point where I was looking at you know why why would a loving God allow this? And I think I, I mean I, I still not going to pretend I've got all the answers, but I, I have a better understanding of it. But it actually allowed me to to grow in faith um, and develop that in a, in a much more mature way, really. See, this is where the, the, it's, it's interesting that you talk about this, and my condolences uh, on, the loss of, on the loss of your child, um, is that obviously, you know, I'm in a position where, you know, I'm starting this podcast, I'm at rock bottom, this is pretty much my journey. Um and I'm currently in a situation where I know that, you know, um, I didn't do what I needed to do. Um, I wasn't honest enough. Um, I, but I've, 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 I've looked at faith quite a lot, actually, over the last four or five weeks. And I, too, scratch my head and just sort of like go, well, what's, hang on, what's the reason behind this? This, 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 doesn't, this doesn't make an awful lot of sense of why I am where I am right now. Um, how did you, how did you grow? How did it, how, so you obviously they let you grow in faith. What, what kind of things made you grow in, in faith, right, you know, at that, at that time in your life in such a sad time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a time where some people who may have already had a faith may have lost their faith, but in fact it did the opposite for me. There was one phrase, and I don't remember where it came from or who said it or whether it's from a book or a website or, or what. Um, but I, I kept sort of asking myself, you know, where is God in all of this? You know, what have I done wrong uh, for this to happen? And the, and the phrase that, that, that struck me back then was that God never told us that everything was going to be okay. So becoming a Christian doesn't mean you've got it all together and your life gets sorted and you live happily ever after. So God never said everything's going to be okay. What he said was, "Is I'll be with you when it's not. And that actually made me really, really start to, my ears prick up and think about what was, go, what was going on in my life. And then I could actually start to see, you know, where, where God was, had been moving in my life, not even, even before I'd, I'd started to believe in really. Where do you think faith plays a role for the middle-aged man now? You know, it's you know, it's it's a, it's it's a really between, it's, it's a really between, interesting question. We're, we're between forty and sixty, and you know, we are, you know, we're probably we we're at a crossroads. We're we're going yeah. into the second half of our life. Where would you say that faith really sort of like you know plays a role in that? Yeah, I think I think it has a bigger role to play than we allow it to have. Um, when I look out on a Sunday morning on my congregations, mostly they're full of um, elderly women. Um, and I, th- I don't think I'm, I'm not, not, not talking out of term when I say that, that most of the congregations are made up of, of that. Now, it's 
to, to get men into church or to find men in faith is actually quite unusual. Mm-hmm. But I think it has a, a real point to it because, like you say, we're, we're, of, we're of a very similar age. We, we are at a turning point in our life where we move from being a, a, a young man to a, to a middle-aged man, you know, coming up to the, to the older man, if you like. And I think our lives are in two halves. The first half of our life, we, we start our, our initial growth and, and, and development and, and lots of things happen to us. But the second part of our life is where we, can, we actually have that time to reflect on that and to grow in a, in a different way, in a better way. And in some respects, if you look at it from, a, from the point of view of a tree, you know, the tree you know, starts off as a sapling and it grows and it becomes you know, a, a young tree. I don't know what you call it, a young tree, but whatever it is, um, you know, and the wind will batter it, storms will batter it. You know, young men like me will come and carve your girlfriend's name into it and all sorts of stuff. But actually all those scars and all that, all that weathering that it's, it's done, actually it produces its best fruit in the second part of its, of its existence. And I think that's where we are as, as men, where we need to be as, as men. And I think with regards to, to faith, faith has that opportunity to, to bring that out in us. Now, I, I used the phrase belonged before I believed. And, and I think that, that's a really important phrase. Um, I, I live in, in uh, rural Mid Wales. I'm in Brecon. I've never in my life been particularly interested in football. My dad wasn't interested in football. You tend to follow your, your dad's sport. My dad wasn't really into sports at all. Um, so I never I never really got into sports. I, 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 I got into martial arts and that sort of thing, but not into team sports. Um, living in Wales, as an Englishman living in Wales, I, I, do, I do watch the odd game of rugby every now and then, but I never got into football. Now, What's happened in, and you may be aware of this, but uh, Wrexham Football Club have been taken over by two Hollywood stars. Yeah. Um, and I'm keen on them as, as individuals and stars. And I follow their work and I like their films and all the rest of it. Now, what's, what's I found myself doing now is I've now started becoming a supporter of Wrexham. Now, I don't really know the rules of football. I don't really know what goes on in the game. I'm not really that interested in it. But actually, they've created an environment where I'm, I'm keen on this little underdog club to get better. And I can see that they're doing, they're doing lots of work there and all the rest of it. So I think what, what we're, what they're doing is they've created a community around something that's happening. And for me, that's where faith is. And that's where, um, you know, when I, when I hit my, my difficult times in my, in my life, and I will again, I'm sure, um, having a community around me, that loved me, that was interested in me and wanted me to succeed was really important. That community for me was the church. Um, and I think that's that's where us as middle-aged men, we, we lack that community. Now, going back to, to when, when we lost the baby, what I noticed it with my wife and her friends, we've got very separate friends in, in, in some respects. We've got some friends that are, you know, friends of both of us but generally we have our own our own friendship groups um her female friends naturally created a a a network which just drifted went around her really really tight and and uh, lifted her up and uh, and supported her in in ways that i didn't see with with my friends 
Now, it's not being critical of my friends. My friends just didn't know how to deal with a, a, a bloke who's just lost his baby and is and is crying a lot. Um, so, and I think that was that was it, was it was as difficult for my friends to support me as it was for me to go through that. Um, you know, don't get me wrong; I did have friends there. They were there. They they kept saying, "You know, come and we'll come and have a chat whenever you need." The great thing for me with my friendship group is they really understood that um, what, what not necessarily understood what I was going through, but allowed me the space to go through that. So they they would say, "Come on, we're all going to the pub on Saturday night." And I, and I said to them, yeah, I'll agree to that now on Tuesday, but come Saturday, I might change my mind. Mm. And actually they allowed me that, 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 you know, opportunity to, to change my mind without having to have an excuse or anything like that. So, so I think that's, that's the, the, the key is we, we, we've lost, um, a community. Now, when, when I was growing up, my dad's community revolved around his mates down at the pub. So he would go down there, he would, he would sit and have a chat with them, you know, couple of nights a week um that, that was his network of, of of good friends it's also as a as a, a builder back in that day it's also where he got most of his work from as well um and i just think that actually we we as as men we've lost those those communities that we had and i don't know where we can find them um you know there are there, there, there's some there but i think what we may need to do is start actively creating them um, but not around, um, you know, talking groups or walking groups or mental health support groups, which all have their place. Uh, I think these, there, there, there needs to be a space where um, these these communities of men happen and almost organically, if you like. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. I, 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 I absolutely tick the boxes on, on, on all of that and all of that. Um, I'm just going to move on to a, a, a few questions that I've, that I've already got down here. So... Um, I'd like to think that there, there are at least two things that you do in life that are meaningful. You've helped teenagers get through their driving test and you help people get through to God. So here's a hard question, but one I think you're going to have quite an interesting answer to. As you approach the second half of your life, what are you going to do that's going to make it more meaningful? And Actually, we go back to that kind of what, where where I am in that in that sense. So one of the things that I've started to do now is I've started to look at a um, a 12th century monk called Saint Francis. Now many people may have heard of Saint Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the the, the 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 starter of the Franciscan movement. Um, now. I stumbled over the, over St. Francis. Now, many people are, are familiar with him as the, the, the patron saint of, of animals, and there's some legends that he preached to a, a bunch of pigeons, and they all listened to him and all that sort of stuff. Whether you believe that or not is, is, is another thing. What I've, what, the reason I'm looking at St. Francis, and I'm, I'm actually, I've, I've made some inquiries into joining what's known as the Third Order of, of, of Franciscans, which is uh, a group of people that meet and follow the, the the teachings of St. Francis. Now, the reason I've, I've done that is to give me something to really root my faith into, something that, that, that works well for me. Because as as many people, you know, I look out my, my window here and I, I look at the world literally decaying before our very eyes through the work that we're doing and, and, and the way we're, we're um, treating that world. Um you know, we, we, we can see now that 
you know, the, the human race is finite. I mean, I don't think we're going to be around for very much longer the way that the, the way we're, we're working. Mm. So for me, St. Francis has a, as a, as a call almost to a, a simpler way, a natural way. Um, so that's why I was, I was interested in, in, in the teachings of St. Francis. Um, I think we've got an awful lot to, of work to do with, with the environment. And, um, I think one of, one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm keen on that is that we've got to we've got to steward the world rather than um, dominate it. So if we go back to I hate I hate having to quote the Bible in, in things like this, but <laughs> if we look at Genesis, you know, and, and there's words in Genesis that say, uh, and on translation you use um, that God gave dominion to man over the earth, um, and I think I think we we don't have dominion in that sense stewardship is is uh, something i think we should be looking at um in a in much deeper way so where i'm so to go back to the original question what am i going to do in the second part of my life is actually in order to deepen my faith i'm actually looking at going back to a, a 12th century monk and seeing what he did and um following his teachings in, in a much you know, deeper way cool lovely mate that's wonderful really i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more um so the next question is what about what happened in your life that made you feel trapped and how did you get through it in my life that made me feel trapped there's been several times really um now the first the first time was in it was in a, a, a my first job leaving school um, and, you know, I just didn't, I wasn't growing in that job. It wasn't particularly well paid. It, the environment was pretty awful, but I ended up staying there for about six, seven years. As, you know, I started there as a 16 year old. Um, and I just, I just felt it was a, a really awful, awful environment. Um, and so I did, I did feel trapped in, in that job. Um, and then I did, I did something which I didn't think I was able to do was actually go find, go, go for an interview and find another job. Um, now what that did then for me was ended up in a, in a series of, of short term jobs. Cause I just realized that actually I can better myself by keep going on to new jobs and new jobs. So I started to try and sort of climb that greasy pole by, by, you know, moving, moving positions. And I don't think that was particularly helpful as a young man either. Um, the second time that I felt trapped, um, was, uh, with, when I was with my, my ex-wife, um, you know, we, we got together, um, in a play in a, at a time when I was already in a, in a fairly, um, dark time in my life. Um, and I was, I was in a lot of debt at the time. And, um, you know, when you're a single man, obviously you're in a, in a, a single man in debt, getting out of debt is really hard. So we ended up sort of getting together. We moved in together. Um, and then, you know, quite quickly after that, I realized that actually this wasn't the relationship I wanted to be in anymore. It wasn't uh, a particularly great environment for either of us. I think if my, if my ex-wife was on, on this podcast as well, she'd probably agree with that, that actually both of us were unhappy. Um, and we just, we made each other really unhappy. Um, but it got to a point where, you know, this is, this is going back a few years, um, the, the housing market had collapsed. Uh, and we found ourselves in a, in a, in a house that we could barely afford. Um, so I felt trapped in a relationship and also trapped in a house, um, 
uh, and actually in the end I, I I just took the ball by the horns told her that actually this relationship wasn't working it was on you know a Monday night this relationship's not working um I don't want to be with you anymore I don't, I don't think you particularly want to be with me if you uh, no, I know she didn't um but uh and I, and I just decided that actually time was to move out and and um almost you know whatever the results were the results were um you know it ended up being in a in an in even darker place um and one of the things that um got me through that that dark place just after the really after the relationship ended and and um you know i ended up staying in a a, a mate's spare room um lodging in his in his house uh at, my mum was having to pay the rent because I didn't have any money. Um, so it was a, it was a really awful time. You know, I felt, felt bad all round. And, um, actually I, I, I sort of just sort of had a go at God and said, you know, why, why me? Why this? Why, you know, what surely, you know, throw me a bone kind of, kind of thing. What, what have I done wrong? Um, and, um, then the next well. thing I did, I went onto YouTube and, um, that there was a, it was, it was, it, I remember it to this day and I'll, I'll send you the link. So maybe you, you can, you can put it in the, in the show notes or something. Mm. Um, but it was called a, a love letter from God or Le- letter from God. And it was, um, each line was, had been put together by somebody and, um, they, each line was actually, a, a, a word or, or, um, a line from scripture. So it could be first line from a Psalm, next one from a, from, you know, one of the other books in the, in the Bible but it was put together as if it was a letter that had been written from God to, to me. Um, and it was really profound and, and, and really spoke to me at that moment. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, I certainly know if my current position certainly being in a place where it was a case of, yeah, come on, throw me a bone. It'd be great. Um, okay. Last question. So, uh, I'm getting, um, a question from a previous guest, um, I don't know about it until I open it up. I've, I've nicked this idea from Stephen Bartlett because I quite like it. Um, so the question from the previous guest is, if there was one thing that you could tell yourself in your late 20s and early 30s, apart from buy Apple shares, <laughs> what would it have been? It's a difficult question to ask because I, I look at this all the time and I've, I've, I've thought of this a long time ago is if I could do something different, what would it be? And, and actually if I, if I did something different, um, then I wouldn't be where I am. And actually where I am now is a good place and I, I want to be here and I need to be here. Um, so it's actually really difficult. So, it, you know, if, if 20 year olds, if I was able to go back and give myself some advice, um, I'd, I'd say just stick with it. Don't give up. And that's and it's it's very very simple, but just don't give up. Brilliant, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, gentlemen, a big huge thanks to Rich for sharing parts of his life, his story, and some of his amazing thoughts. If you like the podcast, do us a favour: like, share, and subscribe. Uh, review the podcast, and you'll be in with a shout of winning a fifty-pound Amazon voucher. That, uh, that you can either whiten your teeth with or spend on just for men. It's entirely up to you. Um, we are back next week. I will see you very soon. Much love. Be brilliant. I'm like a shoe spinning on the